Amen. I'm going to talk to you about a hard, this is a hard message. This is a hard message. I have been meditating on this. I have been rolling it over. Uh, the subject has come up a few times. I've probably preached on the subject a few times through my preaching experience that God has brought up. I sure have run in to a lot of misunderstanding in the area I'm going to preach about this morning. If I may say this to you, if you have sleep apnea, you slap yourself and stay awake. Because I'm gonna, you're going to need, everybody in here is going to need this. It's going to go over the web. Right now, it looks like we're having something like 3,000 downloads a week listening to these messages. So hopefully, and it's getting bigger because we're going on sermonaudio.com, which has already amazed us in how many people have listened to it. 24 different foreign countries. And just uh, it's spreading out around the world, this net thing. It's crazy. But this, as a born-again believer, you have to get this truth that I'm going to share with you. You have to get this. If you don't get this truth, you will be a victim rather than a victor. You will be conquered rather than being a conqueror. You've got to get this. Paul mentions in chapter 6 of Galatians, verse 17, chapter 6, you want to take your Bibles, electronic Bibles, or just mark the note here. He says at the end of the book of Galatians, you know, he'd gone to these churches in this area of Galatia. He had been stoned for them. He had been beaten for them so he could get the gospel to them. They get saved, churches established. Uh, there were people of leadership in place. And then immediately, people, false teachers followed him. Wherever he went, they followed him. They were called Judaizers. Those were people who were saying, our present-day Seventh-day Adventists. So the, the, was saying, you, you, you uh, save by grace, but got to keep the law. It's the same old heresy. And the Judaizers believed, the Jews believed, oh yeah, you're saved through Christ, the Son of the living God, but we, we're, we're not going to give up Moses and the law. We're going to keep, keep all that, too. Because that's how you got you to live you got to live by Moses to be saved. You don't. Because nobody can live by Moses' law. Nobody can live by Moses' law. They're all condemned, guilty, before God by the law. So I personally wouldn't be touting that I'm under the law. The law came so that you could see the exceeding sinfulness of your sin. So that you would flee to Jesus, who is the only one that can forgive it. And the one who paid the price for your sins. Wow. I don't know why anybody doesn't do it. He says after going through that whole thing, I'm surely he was disappointed in the, in the churches of Galatia. They had so soon been removed to a false teaching. And he's trying to correct them here in, six chapter, in, the, in all six chapters. He says in the 17th verse, it's the next to the last verse. He says, from henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The word marks is the same word we use to brand cattle. I bear in my body the brand mark, the scar. Because what is a brand but a hot iron that burns the skin, forms scar tissue? He said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Don't, don't, don't trouble me. They were trying to say he wasn't an apostle. He, he was a self-proclaimed guy. He was going around 
saying he was and he wasn't, attacking him by false teaching, fake news. Fake news is not new. It's been around since, since uh, the serpent talked to Eve. The serpent was giving her fake news. That wasn't so. She believed it. Look what happened to her. Economy fell. Yeah. I've known a lot of folks and Christians that are angry or mad at God. This subject comes up once in a while because I see so much of it. How are you going to worship God or appreciate God or serve God when you're mad at Him? It doesn't work in a marriage. It doesn't work at your job. It doesn't work with your family. And it will not work with your friends. And for sure, it won't work with God. I think we need to start out by all agreeing that you can get mad at God. Can you get mad at God? Now think about what I'm saying. I'm not mad. I'm not talking about mad like crazy. I'm talking about angry at God. Can you get angry at God? Now I realize we call these a lot of different names, but it's the same thing. People say, well, I'm just disappointed in God. You're angry at him. Uh, I'm upset with God. You're angry at him. I'm, I'm just hurt, preacher. You're, you're angry at him. Um, you are angry at God. For what does, what does anger animate? But that somebody has done you wrong. You wouldn't be angry at God if you didn't feel like what he's doing is not the right thing to do and he's doing you wrong. Now, when you believe God's doing you wrong, you got a problem because you believe he's violated your expectations of who God is, your stereotype. I've been looking for that word for five days, and it just came to me. We all have a stereotype of who God is. You know what's the hardest thing of being a preacher is? Living up to your stereotype. Because there's a lot of stereotypes of what I ought to be and how I ought to look and how I ought to walk and how I ought to dress and how I ought to do this and how I ought to do that, what I ought to own, what I ought not to own, where I ought to live. Well, my, then I go a whole, whole other bunch of stereotypes on who my wife is and what she should be and she should be sweet and nice and perfect and wonderful. And she is. <laughs> it's been hard for me as a preacher. It's not possible. You disappoint people. And people get angry at you for just trying to do the right thing. And people get angry at God. Or they get disappointed because he's not the ideal that they think he should be. Uh, possibly, he's just done you wrong. If God were good, he would not have allowed such and such to happen You come just short of accusing him, straight up and down. If God were compassionate and loving, he would have stopped what happened. See, God, I've heard people say, God's all-powerful. He didn't have to let my child die. God's all-powerful. He could have stopped my husband from leaving me. God's all-powerful. He could have let me know this. Yeah, he could have. He could have, but he didn't. I want to try to disarm the devil this morning in this area. I would like to rip his fangs out, cut off his claws, detoxify his poison, 
and undo his argument on this because so many people are convinced. You're probably, I know there's numbers of people in this place at this moment that are angry at God and you're in denial that you're angry at God, but the first step of overcoming that you're angry at God is you got to understand you are. You go to the doctor, he says, you got a fever, you got this. He's What he's doing is trying to find what's wrong with you so he can help you. Until you admit that you've got an anger problem with God or disappointment with God or you haven't, he hasn't lived up to your stereotype or expectations, you're never going to be released from that. And if I may say, it's going to cut you off from the power of the Holy Spirit because it'll grieve the Holy Spirit and it will quench the Holy Spirit and you will not have the power you need to survive well. You will survive, but you'll not survive well. Let me start real simple. Every Christian must realize that God is doing you good as his child. Are you God's child? We're children of God. You know, there's only two types of people. The Bible says there's children of God and children of disobedience. Children of the light, children of the darkness. Now, where are you? If you're obviously not child of light, then I can understand you being mad at God, completely misunderstanding what he's doing, where he is, who he is, because you don't have his Holy Spirit yet. You haven't trusted Christ and received the Holy Spirit and become part of his family, part of the church. You're struggling. But if you're a child of God, you're, you're being born from above. We talked about that Sunday school class. It's a birth, brother. It's not, you get into the kingdom of God by birth, not by merit. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling, brother. And so, let me ask you a question. Is God a good parent? Let me ask you another question. Is he a better parent than you? Why would he be a better parent? And let me say for you, he's a lot better than you are. Why would God be a better parent than a human parent? I'll tell you why. He will let you suffer if it helps you. God will step back and watch you suffer. Thirteen long years, Joseph. Paul, a thorn in my side. And I, it wasn't some little old thing he had a problem with. He had some serious, Paul had some serious, God had given him a thorn aside. It was, it was a serious thing, a thorn in my flesh. Three times I sought him. Now, if anybody had power with God, I'd say Paul had power with God. And the answer was, you always get an answer. No. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> I don't want it. Please take it away. No. The average parent will cave to their child in a heartbeat once they start to cry and then, uh, please, putty, please. <laughs> What kind of parent is God? Well, 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 through 11, Jesus' words, he should have known, right? Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Your answer is none, none. I mean, some, the assumed answer is there's not really a, come on, my child's hungry and he's a, I'm not going to get a stone. So here, eat a stone. I mean, there may have been bad parents out there, but I don't even think there's any. Or, or if he asks for a fish, will the parent give him a serpent? Now, I mean, I've seen bad parents, but I, I really don't. Maybe not, I've never seen it like that. You may have as a policeman, but I've never seen it. If then, and after the two examples, he said, if then, being evil, that is you being evil and I being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? You see it? The Bible says that what God gives you is good. And when you judge God on what he gives you and decide it's not good, but it's bad, then you're saying you're a better parent than God. You understand where that all goes? You're saying you know more about what you need in your life than you know what you need in your life. Who is so presumptuous to believe in the little bitty time we get to walk this planet that we know more on what's right and wrong in the big picture than God? Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? You don't, but God does. Who knows what's going to happen two years from now? You don't, but God does. I think I'm going to let him make the decisions, amen? Let him make the call on that thing. So you're not a better parent than God. I'm not a better parent than God. And God cares about his children enough to allow them to suffer, deeply suffer, if that is what is best for them and those around them. He allows them to give themselves for others. The problem with parents a lot of times is they're so busy pushing their kid up like this, they forgot that the highest call is being a servant. I'm going to pick on you. You're on the front row. Don't go back and do not move back just because I do this. As a woman, your highest call is to make him successful. And let me say this, if you help him to be successful, you're going to be right behind him or with him. But if you nag on him and, and, and hinder him and, 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 and are negative to him, you're going to tear your own house down with your hands. I think sometimes why a lot of there's, why these young people, I know it just doesn't seem like the young people are getting married in the quantity that they were when I was young. And... I think sometimes I told my wife, maybe, maybe feminism is so crept into our women that they, don't, that they don't look forward to being subject under their husbands. Oh, that's good preaching. <laughs> I go home right now. I've been blessed. That's good. The women today, the 20-somethings today, don't look at submitting to a husband as a good thing, as a wonderful thing, as a woo, woo. They look at it like, oh, I want to be an executive and tell him what to do. Oh, that's good. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. I'll read it for you. You can read it, but I'll read it for you because I'm going somewhere with this. 
I want to look at some people in the Bible. Because I don't want you to believe any of this because of me. I want you to believe this because this is sound doctrine. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul, Paul talks to him about who he is. They're accusing him of not being an apostle, not really being chosen of Christ, not being taught by Christ. After he literally took a beaten form in Corinth and got there with the gospel, he says the people that are accusing him, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I the more. Are they laborers? I'm, I, I, I am in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in death often of the Jews. Five times received I 40 stripes, say one. These are people beating you that don't like you. Thrice was I beaten with rods. What? Once was I stoned, probably killed. I mean, it looked like it to me. Thrice was I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. I only know in the Bible he ever suffered shipwreck one time, but actually he did more. And journeyings often in perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils of the heathen and perils of the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren and weariness and painfulness and watchings often in hunger and thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness. I ask a question. Did God love Paul? Was God a good parent to Paul? Nobody questioned that. I knew the Bible and knew God. Of course he was loved Paul. He died and gave himself for him. The love of God has been proven at Calvary. You got a question about the love of God, go to Calvary. God gave his only begotten son. There wasn't any more to give. He gave it all. Was not Paul a child of God? Okay. Was he not a specially chosen vessel of God? Okay. Yet Paul was tied to a post and his back bared and that's the impact of every rod or every whip. Ugh, his body would grimace in pain and he could say, Ugh, God loves me. Ugh, God loves me. Ugh, God loves me. I only got it. 36 more. God loves me! He never questioned that God loved him. He never questioned the plan of his parent, which was God, in his life. He felt that somehow this pain he was suffering... These scars being healed, whipped again five times. Healed, beaten again. Healed, beaten again. Healed, beaten again. Then three times rod. Five times healed, then healed, beaten by rod. Healed by beating a rod. Healed by beating a rod. Now, folks, come on. You know why I love Paul? He knew and trusted God in a simple childlike manner. His, his, in Philippians 3.10, he says that I may know him. The word know, there's different words for know. This is an experiential knowledge. That I may have experiential knowledge of him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. But the last part is the fellowship of his suffering. 
Did God really love Paul? Yes, he did. And just because he was being beaten did not indicate that God was mad at Paul. Oh, we got a lot of people, something bad happens in your life, they're going to go to you and say, I guess God's whooping on you for being bad. No. Was Paul bad as to why he got whipped that way? No. He was a witness. The word witness is martion. I mean, we get our word martyr from it. If you want to be a witness of Jesus Christ, you need to actually be the place witness to die for him. Because it could be that God, your father, is the, the best way you could live your life and the best way you could be a testimony for the kingdom of God could be that you, get, you die. Or it could be that you got whipped like this. Or it could be that you got shipwrecked. Or it could be that you went bankrupt. Or it could be that you lost everything. Or it could be that the economy fell and the, and the uh, currency went to nothing. Or it could be that you got cancer. Or it could be that you got a brain tumor. Or it could be that you got an aneurysm. Or it could be uh, something else. Name something bad that could happen and we call bad, right? But if God is who he said he was and he is, we need to do just what Paul did. I trust you. I trust you. See, what God's trying to do with you and me is translate this from uh, translate this from theory and he's doing that by your troubles. He's translating this faith thing from theory and bringing it down to reality. Paul didn't have a theoretical faith. He had a real faith that was tested and tried. And, and he, he was pushed. Mm-hmm. He believed God loved him. Remember, he wrote a book of Romans in verse 28. Most of you could quote it to me. All things work together. Yeah, most of you know it. All things work together for good to them, the love of God, and are the call according to his purpose. He wrote that under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The reason people get mad at God, they don't trust in his goodness. They do not. They can say anything, and you and I can say anything. Words are cheap. But brother, when it comes down where the rubber meets the road, do you really trust God? Huh. They can, the average person cannot conceive of, the, of God doing something bad in their life and it being a good thing. Right? I got cancer at 28. Most of you know that. I had to go through radiation surgery and some stuff and then take a pill the rest of my life. I took the pill this morning. I resemble that. I mean, at first, I had to work my way through it. God's doing something for me, something that could be not be done by going to school, something that could not be done by reading the Bible, something that could not be done, but just through that, he's going to help me have a ministry. And boy, have I had a ministry with cancer patients. Trust me, I have been to going to cancer, Florida cancer specialists for the last 25 years. I know what it means to... Uh, be one of the uh, member of the C Club. But I trust God. 
What would Peter have done with the attitude of so many people, so many Christians? I think we're, li- I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean to you, me, or anybody, but I'm just trying to be truthful. The average Christian walking the street is a sissy. This health and wealth is a heresy from hell. Health and wealth gospel is absolutely not biblical gospel. It is a heresy from the devil himself from hell. Can I be any clearer? How can you read the New Testament from Romans to Jude and buy into health and wealth that all God ever wanted for you was good? I mean, your definition of good. Actually, he only does want good for you, but your definition isn't going to be his definition. The Knots boy got killed. The way the Knots, buddy, I, I never watched anybody go through the death of a, how old was he, 21? I never watched anybody go through a death of a 22-year-old as well as you two. You pass the test. Now, it's not over yet. You're passing the test. But let me tell you, rather than falling apart, throwing her, you know, and they may have done that at home. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm telling you, they just began to just trust God. That this, But he took my son. Yes. He has that prerogative. You know where, you know where I'm trying to take you today? I'm trying to make you untouchable. Remember the, remember the untouchables? I'm trying to make you one of the untouchables. Untouchable by whom? The devil himself. Because if he can get you mad at God, he has won the battle. He can't win the war. He can't send you to hell. But he can sure win a bunch of battles. He can sure win. He can sure neutralize you. And I'm going to tell you, an angry Christian is a bad testimony for the gospel. It's a bad testimony for the things of God. does not reflect who he is. But people like, brother, if I may pick on the two the knots, I'm not trying to exalt them above measure. And if I didn't think they could take it, I wouldn't do it. But if they get too proud, then they can just come forward and get right. Like the guy who says, I'm humble, I know it. But uh, what God did for them was he took it from theory and he brought it to practice. Acts chapter 5, verse 40, 41, Peter. It says, to him they agreed, and when they had all called the apostles, they beat them, they had, and beaten them. Now that... They were being beaten by the people who were angry at them. They were trying to displace the law of Moses and ruin their whole country. These people didn't just beat them. They beat them with an attitude. They were beaten. And they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council. And look at this in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Woo! Whoa, there's a maturity there. Whoa! They didn't just endure what God was doing, which is where a lot of us would be, just endure unto the end, thou shalt be saved. They rejoiced. Now that's when you're on the flip side of the deal. You're on the top side of it. They rejoiced. You remember when Paul and was it Paul and Silas was in the, were in the jail and they had been beaten and their backs were raw and they threw them in a, in a stench 
fecal field rat infested prison didn't care about the uh, MRSA didn't care about flesh eating bacteria had an open wound their whole back was open they're laying in there what do they do oh God don't like me anymore because if he, if he liked me wouldn't have had me beaten and put me in prison here without medical attention well I could die they began to sing. The Bible says they sang at midnight. Praises to God. And the old Philippian jailer goes, I got to have it. <laughs> he said, I just got to have it. And then the earthquake happened. And the doors opened up. And of course, if a prisoner was uh, escaped, then they, they, they had to die for the guy. And so he was ready to kill himself. And oh, do thyself no harm. We're all here. The Bible says he took a light and he ran in and he fell at his feet. And he says, what must I do to have this kind of salvation, if I may? Where you can be beat like that and sing. Let me tell you, when God adds a hardship in your life and you suck your thumb and you whine and you go around long-faced, you are, you are not fulfilling his will because you're not reflecting honestly that he is good. And the world's looking for something like what happened to Paul and Silas as that jailer was looking for. I got to have what they have. That's what we need. <clears throat> With every hard blow to the, to the face and to the back, Peter could honestly say, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. About Stephen, I mean, I got there's a ton of, I'm just giving you a, a little three total. Stephen, the deacon, deacon. Stephen gave the best description of the history of Israel anywhere in the New Testament, Acts chapter 7. If you want to know what happened to Israel, read Acts chapter 7. He does a phenomenal uh, synopsis on what the Old Testament was about. He comes to the end of it and he puts the fickle finger of fate. And he points to him and he says, you are the ones who have crucified your Christ and never have been able to keep the law. Boy, he puts it to him. The Bible says they stopped their ears and they ran on him with one accord, gnashing their teeth and drug him out of town and threw him on the ground and began. And if you've been over to Israel, there's all these sharp flinty stones everywhere. They began to grab those flinty stones. The Bible says he fell on his knees. He being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. They knew that was Jesus because those same people had heard Jesus say, Someday you're going to see me coming in clouds of glory. And they ripped their shirts and said, What need more? We have witnesses. We've heard his blasphemy. And they condemned Christ to die. So they had heard those words before. Ooh. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran on him, one accord, cast him out and stoned him. The Bible says, and, and, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And this is the part I just love, and this part, this is, this is everything about it. Was he having a bad day? Was Stephen having a bad day? You think Stephen had a family? 
Maybe kids take care of, I don't know. He was fixing to lose his life. But here's what he said. And he kneeled down and cried a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when they said this, he fell asleep, he died. He said, basically, I'm not going to die bitter. I'm not going to die bitter. Forgive them. Now, some of you in this room need to do that. You got in-laws, outlaws, mothers, fathers, cousins, aunts, uncles. Maybe you're a girl that they fondled when you were young, or maybe they did something else to you, or maybe somebody else did something to you, or maybe, you know, that somebody did something bad to you, or maybe things didn't work out for you, and you have been struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling, and you'll continue to struggle till you get on your knees and say, God, lay not that sin to their charge. Jesus said, if you won't forgive others, you will not be forgiven. That's what the Bible says. Look it up. Matthew 7. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Some of you have had grudges on people for years. And you're very likely going to die with it. Oftentimes, the people you got grudges, they never even know you're mad at them. But it's a poison in your life. And it's eating all the good that God wants to do in your life. For He wants to do something extraordinary in our life. Something to get the attention of the heathen. By this, shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. Something to get the heathen's attention. This isn't your just normal, so-so group of people. This is a real, live, born from above, Holy Ghost-filled people. Mm. Mm. They embrace the suffering as not worthy to be compared with the glory that should come. They rejoice that they were kind of worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' sake. I end with this. I want you to get the book online, offline, at the bookstore. I don't care where. But I want you to get the book, John Fox, Fox's Book of Martyrs. I want you to get it. Now, you're not too busy. You're not too, they probably got somebody to read it to you. Because that book's like one of the more famous books around. Pilgrim's Progress, John Fox's Book of Martyrs right here. You absolutely, if you've never done it, you owe it to yourself to see historically how some of our brothers and sisters have been treated for the cause of Christ. Because if this country keeps going in the direction it's going, and if this next election or election after that, the party that hates us gets in power, we're going to see persecution. And a few of us may be put in jail. And our property's taken from us unjustly because we are hate mongers and because we are uh, not compliant with their form of speech or their form of behavior. And we don't agree that transgender is, is, uh, is, an, is not real, it's an oddity, and all of this other stuff that we just believe what the Bible says, amen? Some 3,500 years of human history. 
been time-tested and proven. Their theories haven't even been tested or proven. What would happen to a whole society of transgenders? It would self-destruct. That's what it would do. They know that. Suicide among homosexuals is the highest of any one group. Why? They defile their conscience and God won't let them get by with that. He won't let them get by with that. You believe him today? You want to trust him? Do you believe God's a good parent? He's your parent as a born-again believer. And I don't know, buddy, defend yourself and get yourself ready to be strapped to the post. And, and be willing to say, God, if, even if it means 39 stripes, I'm going to trust you that this was good. I bear in my body the very brand marks of Jesus Christ. Wow. Father, help us this morning. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.